So listen, last week we, start, we started with a, a message called victory. And, and, and I, 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 play, I brought this one out because I thought, man, this is a great term that, that I believe we need to walk in. But I didn't realize that what God was about to do was to throw me into a series that God was going to start walking me through processes. But listen, last week we learned what victory was. Victory is not your trophies on a mantle. Victories is not your successes, it's his. Victory is something that God has ordained for each one of us as believers. We talked about how to obtain our victory in, these, in our lives. And I showed you that victory does not come by how hard we fight or how great we are, but in the stance that we take. I told you a boxer gets a better victory by the stance he takes. A baseball hitter, a baseball batter gets a better hit by the stance he takes. A, a lineman in football comes off the line quicker by the stance that he takes. The position that we stand in brings us victory. That firm-footed, unwavering position to overcome type of stance. And even though the Bible declares that the battle is not ours and it's the Lord's, it does not mean that we don't have to show up. I love how people twist scripture. Well, the Bible says the battle's not mine, Pastor. The Bible says the battle's the Lord, so I'm just going to trust him and I'm going to walk away. No, even David had to show up in front of Goliath. You might have a Goliath in your life and you think you can sit at home and the devil and God's just going to take care of it. No, God says, I need you to suit up, get your stuff together and show up, but let me take care of the rest. God had already spoken to David that the victory would be his, but David still had to go get the stones and show up. So many times we think that God is an, is an escape route to us showing up to the battle. No, the battle is still ours, but in him we get the victory. Listen, do you understand that the enemy is not trying to defeat God? He's trying to defeat the God in you. If he can defeat the God in you, then you will stop carrying his word. You'll stop walking in his power and his might, and you will become disheveled and lose your dreams and destinies and fall apart and become isolated. But you need to understand that every battle you go through, it's not God, the enemy going after God. It's the enemy trying to destroy the God in you. The victory we seek is not in everything else. It's not in the house. It's not in the car. It's not in the money. It's not in the stuff. It's not on social media. It's not what everybody thinks about us. True victory is only found in Christ, and everything else is futile. Let me prove it to you. How many of you have had a victory in your own right at one point of your life? How many of y'all played sports? Let's do this for a second. Watch this. You played sports, you got trophies, right? Let me, let me help real quick. Where are those trophies at now? How's that victory working for you? Man, when I was seven, I was a t-ball master. But you're 45 now. Shh, you don't even play t-ball anymore. In fact, you don't even run anymore. <laughs> you really want to mess with you real quick? My wife hates when I do this. She hates when I do this. And for all of you Saints fans, buckle your seatbelts. But one Super Bowl doesn't make you a champion. They're going to finish. Everybody's leaving the church. They're walking out now. I'm holding my tithe. I don't care about you anymore, Pastor Brian. I pray you burn. Okay, got it. But let me explain to you. A true champion comes back and comes back and has the forethought and the wherewithal to keep coming back. He does not win one and go, look how great I am. He says, I won one, but I'll see you next year. I've won another one. I'll see you next year. I've won another one. I'll see you next year. And you might not be a Tom Brady fan, but none of you can deny. And I'm not a Tom Brady fan. But none of you can deny when the boy wins seven Super Bowls, something's in the blood inside of him that allows him to keep coming back. And some of y'all might go, it's a conspiracy theory. No. <laughs> Tampa Bay handed us our butts. And we went home and went, that was a Real win, and we just need to suck it up. You couldn't be like, it's not fair, it's not, it's not fair, it's not fair. Let me, let me say this to you real quick. Let me say this to you real quick. People who aren't used to victories make excuses for defeats. People who are not used to living victorious will use excuses in their defeat and make excuses for why they're not on top. Let me help you with something. The reason you're not on top is because you didn't go in the, in the paint hard enough. You didn't put your hands to the plow hard enough. You didn't work it hard enough. You didn't even show up to the battle and you're mad because you lost it. God says, where are you at? I want you to have a victory, but I need you to understand that we work this together. Your victory is found when you and God come together. And you might be saying this morning, okay, pastor, I get it. My victory is in Christ. But how do I maintain 
my victory. How many of y'all know that victory sometimes can seem fleeting? You come into a service on a Sunday morning, you walk out empowered, and then Monday hits. <laughs> what do I do now? Oh, God, where do I go now? What do I, six more days, and, and then I can get my victory again. As opposed to understanding that when you walk out of this place, you can have a victory on a Sunday, but now you've got to maintain the victory. It seems like I got it while I'm here. It might last a few days, but it seems to fall apart. How many of y'all know your worship is strong on a Sunday? But how strong is your worship on a Tuesday? My God, what's your worship sound like on a Friday? Oh, if I could just get back to the church, if I could just get back to that worship team, if I could just get back to pastor preaching, I'd make it, I'd make it. Jesus, help us. Because if I go mute, we're in trouble. And if the worship team falls apart, what are we going to do then? Where is your victory lying? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to help you this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 11. The book of Mark chapter 11. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you're wondering where it is. The book of Mark, chapter 11. When you got it, shout at me, say, I got it. I got it. Now, I need you to understand today is an interactive message, so I'm going to need you to talk back to me a little bit because we're going to talk about something that's going to put a little bit of oomph in your voice. It's going to put a little power behind you because I'm going to say this to you. I am tired of a bunch of sissy, mamby-pamby, whispering, whining believers. Praise the Lord. Praise him. He's powerful. No, that is not powerful. I want, to, I want to see a body of believers that actually believe what they say and say what they believe with power in their voice, with a little bit of bass in their voice. I want to see that happen. Now you got the book of Mark chapter 11? Good. Mark chapter 11, verse 20 through 24. This is our scripture for today. It says this, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed, has withered away. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. This morning, I want to minister to you for the next few moments on a sermon entitled Declaration or Declare. This morning, I'm not referring to a declaration of faith. I'm not referring to a statement that supersedes your negative thoughts. I am not talking about a positive confession. I'm talking about a powerful declaration. A declaration that maintains the victory in every battle. Listen, the only reason you still have the thought of winning T-ball when you were seven is because you still talk about it. The only reason the Saints won a Super Bowl is because the fans still talk about it. But when you stop talking about it is when the victory walks out on you. We've got to get to a point where something shifts on the inside of you. So to help you understand, let me give you the definition of the word declare. The word declare is defined as this, to announce officially, to proclaim, to state emphatically, to manifest, reveal, or show. Let me just for a second break down Webster's Dictionary's version of the word declare. To announce officially. Can I just sit there for two seconds? Why is it that we as believers announce doubtably? Well, don't look at me like you're lost right now. Because this is what we say. I hope God will do it. I want him to do it. I don't know if he'll do it. I want God to be strong in my life. I want God to have his way in my life. Ah, but I'm not quite sure. I, I know. I, I, I want all these great things to happen, but, but I'm not. He says to announce Officially, God is the Lord of my life, and everything that I have comes from Him. And there is nothing that happens in my life without Him. I am the righteousness. See, so you can't say something like that. You can't go, I'm the righteousness of my Father. God is well pleased in me. I'm bold. I'm mighty. I'm powerful. 
Because if you say it like that, no one is believing what's coming out of your mouth. A declaration is something that is not just announced officially, but is proclaimed. Where has the voice of the believer gone to? We have accepted the status quo. We have accepted the declaration of the culture. And we have sat back and mamby-pamby sat back with our limp-wristed selves and going, oh, oh. No, the one who believes steps up and declares the things of God. But we won't do that anymore because we don't want to kick against the goat. We don't want to offend anybody. Jesus said offenses will come. Who will be the chief offender among us? Pastor, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be offensive. I'm not talking to you about offending people. I'm talking about you offending sin. What about offending the nature of the enemy that comes in to try to steal, kill, and destroy? What about offending things that are not right and are tearing people up and sending them to hell? Heck, why are we not offended with sin? And why is no one speaking to it anymore? Come on, work with me. Everyone in this room, I say, who's a sinner? No, not, Pastor, I'm not a sinner. I'm not. You're a sinner saved by grace. That's what the word says. You were, you, you, well, I was, you were born into sin. The Bible says the inherent heart of a man and a woman is, the heart of a person is inherently wicked. You, you were a sinner. You were born into this world in sin. And it wasn't until you got Jesus that you were redeemed from your sin. But let me help you with something. You still have a nature in you, a sinful nature that desires to go back to the things of the world. But you have to choose in your walk. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. But here's the thing. We come to church. Here is my worship. Oh, God, it's great. Then you walk outside. What are you doing? Oh no, it's worshiping the Lord. It's worshiping us. It's worshiping. I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to lift. I don't want. No. Because somebody might think something about me. Somebody might judge me. Somebody might have an opinion about me. Somebody might, somebody might ostracize me. Somebody might make me, uh, uh, make me out to be somebody I'm not. Hello, you are. Ah, at some point, we've got to get to a point where we open up our mouths and lift our voice and declare something more than just the Sunday morning ritual or the Sunday morning service. Oh, God, God, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, God, here's my worship. Pastor, please be quiet. Why? Because you haven't found your loud button yet? People only have a problem with me shouting when they're too timid to step up. But the Bible declares that if I don't cry out, the rocks will outcry me. And I'll be doggone if someone's stealing my blessings. I'll be doggone if someone's going to take what God's promised me. You're not taking what God promised me, so I'm going to lift up my voice. Even when I'm worn out, even when I'm tired, even when I'm weary, even when I don't want to fall asleep and just quit, I'm going to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I don't care who hears it. He says, to announce officially, to proclaim, to state emphatically. Are you emphatic about the things of God? But I like what it says because I, when I look at definitions, I read them all the way down, and I like what it said at the very bottom. It said, to manifest. So would I be safe to say that a declaration is not just words spoken out of your mouth but creates a manifestation in front of you? That if you begin to speak the same way God spoke in the Word, the same one that slung something into nothing and created everything with a word. That when you speak, it creates. That when you open up your mouth and declare the things of God, things have to change. We don't want them to change. It must change because you are not delivering opinions. You're delivering the word of the Lord. At some point, we got to step outside and start believing that when we declare things, we're going to see them come to pass. There can be no more hope that it comes to pass. There has to be faith in believing that it shall be done. It shall be done. Not I hope it might happen. It shall be done. And here's the question you always ask yourself. But God, I've been declaring it. It's not happening. Maybe it was not God's. Maybe what you were declaring wasn't God's promise for you. And the it is something different. So why don't you go get alone with God and find out what the it is so that your declaration becomes his declaration, not your hopes and dreams. Not your wants, but his desires. It 
shall be done. Listen, Jesus, all throughout Scripture, had a word of declaration many times. To the man with leprosy, he said, be clean in Mark chapter 1, verse 42. To the man with an evil spirit, he said, be quiet and come out of him in Mark chapter 1, verse 25. To the deaf man, he said, be opened. And the man's ears were opened and his tongue loosed in Mark chapter 7, verse 33. To the storm, he said, be quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm in the book of Mark chapter verse 4, verse 39. If that same power dwells on the inside of you please tell me what we're waiting on people come into our church and go man y'all y'all really y'all let it loose yeah because i'm not gonna give all my praise to a football team on sunday i'm gonna give my praise to god first and everything else gonna come secondary i'm not gonna scream and shout for all of my wants before i scream and shout for all of my victories that i have in him so this morning i want to give you four keys real quick you know, that's a church joke, right? Real quick. I want to give you four keys real quick to declaring. To declaring not your wants, not your dreams. To declaring your victory. To maintaining your victory. What if I told you if you walk in these four steps, you'll walk in victory all week long? You ready? That was three of y'all. I said, y'all ready? Good yeah. man, why? One of these days, I'm going to say, y'all ready? Y'all going to jump in right, right on the front end, but that's all right. Book of Mark, chapter 11. Let's go back to verse 22. Ready? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to keep asking until you get it. Amen. 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 <laughs> verse 22, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in yourself, uh, in your abilities, in your stuff. <clears throat> he said what? Have faith in who? Faith in God. Here's your number one. Ready? Number one, key to maintaining your victory in your declaration. Ready? Keep the faith. Keep the faith. What do you mean? You mean, Pastor, I just got to hold on to faith? No, you got to hold on, talk about it, decree it, declare it, walk in it every day. What is faith? Things that are not as though they were. I know what you see, but what does he promise? I know what's in front of you, but what's coming up? I know what you, I know what you want to believe, but what has he already declared over you? I know, what, I know it doesn't look good, but what does his promises state for you? Keep the faith. In other words, keep, hold on, be strong, keep the faith. Keep it on you. Wear it like a cloak. Walk in it in every day. Make it your bullhorn when you walk in the room. Hey! I got the faith. It's not the, it's not the COVID. It's the faith. We treat, we treat the faith like we treat Corona. We, we just want it at moments, but we don't really want it. We, want it. we, we don't know what to do, so we run and hide. And we, ah, but Pastor, I don't know. I, I, I want to get victory. I want to see things change in my life. I want to I see things break through, but, but I'm afraid. But I'm, ah, shh. Faith conquers any and all fears. So somebody said to me the other day, okay, I walked into, I walked into uh, in the subway yesterday. And, I, of course, I'm nice. I, I, I lovingly put my mask on, and I walk in the door, and the lady's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was like, keep the mask off. She's like, what? I said, I already had, I already had the vid. We, we make it a joke now. We call it the vid. We had to find a cool name for it because COVID-19 is really weird. And so we call it the vid now. I'm not going to tell you who told us the vid, but we like the word the vid. And uh, it just sounds cooler. And, and, and so, so I walked in, I, I said, baby, it's okay. And she's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm good. I've already had it. And y'all go, you can get it again. So what? Bible said a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. The Bible also declares that no weapon formed against me. Pastor, that's being stupid. No, that's called faith. See, here's the thing. We want to declare faith when we want stuff in our pockets. But we don't want to claim faith when the word says that I got you in every season. And we don't want to put it on and wear it. We want to live in fear of everything. Because culture has said fear is greater than faith. And if you live by fear, we can keep you secluded. The enemy is afraid if we let go and start walking by faith. 
walking by faith and not, listen, does the corona exist? Watch this. Yes. If you're wearing a mask, I love you. This is nothing against you. But what I'm saying to you is that we have to come to a decision. And somebody one day said, I'm tired of preachers saying that living and having a mask is living by fear. I've never said having a mask is living by fear. What I have said is being controlled by something other than the word of God is living by fear. I'm not going to be controlled because I know whose I am and I've got enough faith to keep me. I told you this when I got, when I got the vid, I laid down in that bed and I was like, God, what's going on? And God said, I just needed some time to talk to you. And I figured this was the best way to get you. So for 10 days, I laid in the bed and me and God talked a lot. And I came out ready to roll. It took me a couple of weeks because I had to get some lung pressure back in. But, but still, I didn't see it as a painful moment. I didn't complain about it. God, I'm good. I got quarantined off into a baby's room on a twin bed, which was ungodly. <laughs> Felt like I was back in jail again. All right, praise God. Everybody come to the door like this. Are you dying? Are you dying? No, I'm good. Don't break. Don't get around dad. He's, he's got the vid. Don't get around him. I ate, I, ate, I ate chicken noodle soup for 10 days. It just tastes like mush because I lost all my taste. Couldn't taste nothing. 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 It was just mush. Just mush. I felt like I was back in prison all over again. It was just mush. It just, just, just what we're dealing with. But, but I, never, I never laid in that bed and went, oh, God. Oh, God. What am I going to do? God, you're the author and the finisher of what? Didn't say my life, did he? He said my faith. We want God to be the author and finisher of our lives, but we won't let him be the author and finisher of our faith. In other words, if he said it, that settles it, decree it, declare it, live by it, walk in it, and trust it, and know that God's going to work it out. Keep the faith. A great declaration always starts with where your faith lies. Not your hope, your faith. Believing, calling those things that are not as though they are. Your declaration is determined by your level of faith. Do you need a cheerleader for your faith? Do you need a motivational speaker or a life coach for your faith? Or can you just take the time to find out what God says? And if it's in here, it's good enough for in here. And live by the word. I am going to declare the word. Can I just give this to you real quick? Be careful that what you're declaring is not your fears and your pain and your struggle. More than the God you serve. You can say, my body hurts. But please follow it up with what the word declares. Because you can have a moment. You can declare what you're going through. But it is when your faith is enacted that it overtakes and overpowers and steps on the assignment of the enemy and tramples it under its feet. And now the word that you've declared from his word now takes the thing that was meant to hurt, kill, and destroy you and destroys it. And now you are living by faith. But if you wake up tomorrow morning and you start telling everybody about your woes and your problems and posting it on social media. Can I get real quick sidebar? Okay, I gotta, let, me, let me take a swig of water because it's going to get really tight in here real fast. I'm going to say this to you real quick. Every time you go on social media and you post how bad your life is, there is a party going off in hell. Every time. Every time. And this is what the enemy says. I got them. Look, they're declaring their problems. They forgot about who their Savior is. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Listen to me. Your mouth writes checks. Your faith can't cash. Be careful. Let your mouth write checks of faith that will not only redeem you, but set free everyone else around you. You have to keep the faith. Goes on in verse 23, it says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, here's number two. Number one, keep the faith. Number two, identify your mountain. What is your mountain? I don't want to talk about it because if I talk about it, it's going to be there forever. Uh Uh-uh. You got to know what your mountain is. What's your mountain? 
What's the thing that is disrupting your ability to march forward and leave every day with a victory? What is the struggle in your life? Don't, and let me say this to you. Don't be like, well, my struggle is my spouse. Liar. That's your excuse. My mountain is not my wife. Because let me help you with something. If she has a mountain, that's my mountain too. My mountain is not my wife. My mountain might be what my wife is going through, and together we can conquer it together. But she is never my mountain. Your children are not your mountain. And if they become your mountain, no wonder they don't want to be around you. Because you will avoid having to climb that mountain. I don't care. I'm over. I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. You can do whatever you want to do. That's the problem. That's what the enemy wants. Identify what your mountain is. Can we help you with your mountain is? Go like this. You are your mountain. Your mouth is your mountain. Your mind is your mountain. Your heart is your mountain. Your past is your mountain. Some of y'all, your present today, this moment is your mountain. Tomorrow has already become your mountain. And if it hasn't, just give it 45 more minutes. You'll start building it in a few minutes. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know. I got to go to work. I don't know what my boss is going to think. Oh, my God. I'm gonna, oh, Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm not, I might lose my job. I don't, know what I, I don't even know why I'm going to lose my job. I don't know what's going on. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. Anybody ever do that? <laughs> Where were you at? Sunday, sitting in the service at 10 o'clock. You were like, here is my worship. Monday morning, you're like, oh, God, where's you? Oh, God, God, where are you? God, 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 God. Somebody turn on the worship team. Where's Pastor Brian preaching? Shh. Identify your mountain. What is it? What's the thing that is trying to disrupt your ability to become the fullness of what God has for you? To become, to walk in the fullness of victory that God has for each one of you. Is it a health problem? Is it a financial need? Is it a relationship that needs to be restored? Is it a mistake that you made that you refuse to own? Is it the fact that you took the wrong path and the fork in the road and now you have to go back to the fork and fix it? Is it the fact that you can't apologize? Y'all want me to stay back in in the financial problems and the relationship problems. I need to go back. Pastor, please go back to those over there. No, 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 no. Let me help you something. 90% of the diversions that we have in our lives is, it comes from one word, disobedience. You're not on the pathway because somebody pushed you there. You're on the pathway because you chose to walk down that street. You're on that pathway. People go, Pastor, prison, that was the enemy trying to attack you. No, it's because I made some really stupid decisions growing up. You couldn't walk around and go, I'm here because it's all there. No, it was my fault. Should have been paying more attention. Should have done it right. Ended up with the wrong people. Friends and relationships. Why? Because I chose it. I picked it. I said, that's for me. And God's going, no, it's not. I'm going, yeah, it is. God's going, no, it's not. And I'm like, yeah, it is. God, go away. I remember one time I dated a girl when I was younger, and the pastor, my youth pastor, came to me, the pastor I was working with. He said, Brian, listen to me. This is not of God for you. You know what I told him? Let me tell you what I told him. Without using expletives. I told him, I said, you can take your opinions and walk out the door, but I don't care what you think. Little did I realize that staying in that relationship was going to create a space for me to become homeless. And had I just listened, and I knew in my heart it was wrong, but my flesh wanted more than my spirit did. And I eliminated faith and lived in fear because I was afraid of being alone. And God said, shut your mouth. And now what happened? I had to take steps back, go back to the fork in the road and start all over again. Can you go back to the fork? No, I just want to create a new pathway. That's just in the past. Sometimes you have to go visit your past so you can launch yourself into your future. I used to, I used to live in New Orleans East as a kid until I was six years old. We lived in a duplex on Acadia Lane right off of Haynes Boulevard. We lived, we lived in what I will equivalent. It's the equivalent today is not great housing. I'm going to use it that word. I remember one morning I woke up and our whole front yard was burnt. Somebody had lit our yard on fire. Like, it's crazy stuff, right? I mean, that's where we grew up. I will drive by sometimes when I go to New Orleans. It's really funny because I pull through the neighborhood and they're like, who's this boy? Why is he in our neighborhood? 
And I'm like, I used to live here. And they're like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yeah, I did, bro. A long time ago, I used to live in that house right there. But to look where I used to live, to look where I am today, God's good. Sometimes I got to remind myself where I've been so I can see where I'm headed. So I can stop complaining where I am. So I can launch myself into the future. Because sometimes your complaints only keep you from moving forward. They break your progression. They keep you from great, getting greater. I don't complain about my marriage. I work at my marriage. I don't complain about my kids. I love my children, even when they drive me bonkers. So I'm looking over here because two of them are sitting over here. <laughs> Sometimes we've got to say things. We've got to see what the mountains are. We've got to keep the faith and identify the mountains. Identify it and stop being afraid of it. I don't want to talk about it. If the doctor says you got cancer, watch this. You have cancer. <gasps> don't say that. Don't say that. Shut up. Say it. Now you know what you're going after. I got it, but God's got a bigger plan. <laughs> I got it, but God's going to show himself faithful in my life. I got it, but God's going to do a miracle in my body. I... Because when you can declare what you have, you can see where he's taking you. Don't be afraid of your mountains, man. Get used to them. The only reason mountains exist is so that you can have victory parties on the top of them. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Keep your faith. Identify your mountain. It goes on in verse 23. Be removed. He says, speak to the mountain and tell it to what? Be removed. Be what? Removed. Uh, be removed and cast into the sea. Can I just say this to you? Well, let me give you number three. Keep your faith. Identify your mountain. And then tell it where to go. Here it comes. Here it comes. The new version of preaching. You can tell your problem to go to hell. And I promise you God's not in heaven going, you use the word hell. How dare you say go to hell. I didn't say you tell somebody to go to hell. I tell your problem to go to hell. Tell your struggle to go to hell. Tell your mountain to go back to hell where it came from. Hey, I'm done with you. I'm done even thinking about you. I'm done you trying to cause a problem in my life. I'm over you. Go to hell. That maybe should have been the title of this message. Go to hell. <laughs> that would have gotten everybody's attention this morning. What's pastor going to say next? Oh, Lord. Now, this is, not a, this is not an invitation for you to cuss. This is not an invitation for you to curse however you choose to say it. This, this is an invitation for you to finally get enough boldness in yourself to look at the things in front of you and say, hey, had enough. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm done with this. You don't have the authority. I can tell you where to go. Stop trying to rock your stuff to sleep and speak to it. Here's what it says. It says, speak to it and tell it to be removed. You notice he didn't say, go dig it up and uproot it. He didn't say, get a bulldozer and push it to the side. He didn't say, he said, hey, talk to it, which tells me that on the inside of you, you your words have power. And what you speak to a situation changes things. It shifts the dynamic. That's why prayer is so powerful, because when we pray, it changes things. How many of y'all, your complaints change things? How many of y'all, y'all worrying change things? Last night, I, was, I walked out of the a subway after I ministered to this lady. We were just trying to get some sandwiches. It took me 40 minutes just to get out the dang subway and because and, I knew what I had to do. I, I couldn't leave. I couldn't walk out of the moment, and, and, and I'm standing there ministering, and I get in the car, and my six-year-old's in the car, and, and I, I'm trying to roundabout explain everything that had just happened because they're like, where have you been? Did you die? Where did you go? We're dying. We're starving. We, we're, we're salivating. No, they didn't say all that. Um, but, but my six-year-old's in the back going, what happened, Dad? 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 What happened? Dad? What happened? Shush. So then I tell one thing, and then it explodes into 9,000 thoughts. Well, what happened? I looked, and I said, hey, love, stop worrying about it, baby girl. We put God on it. He's enough. Let's leave it alone. Hope goes, yeah, Dad, she's just lost it. I don't know what's wrong with her, Dad. <laughs> and I politely looked at my daughter, and I said, you used to be the same way. I love you. I know, but Dad, seriously, okay. Can I say it? Stop trying to rock your mountain to sleep. Stop trying to dig it up. You don't have enough strength. Stop trying to bulldoze it. You don't have the right equipment. Speak to that sucker. Speak to it. 
Life and death is in the power of your tongue. You've got to start speaking to it. You cannot afford to be silent any longer. Say something. It's like this. I love using this analogy with people all the time. I'll find out something that they really like in their house. And so usually for like a lot of people, it's like, I got a nice big television. I said, all right, today when we're done meeting, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to kick your front door in and I'm stealing your television. No, no, you're not. Oh yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. Get ready. I'm coming. I'm going to bring my winch with me. I'm going to drag that sucker in your front door. I'm going to hook it to your television and I'm going to hit the button. Just rip it off the wall. Yep, it's mine now. No, you're not. That's my TV. Here's the problem. We will protect our personal belongings, but we will not speak to the thing that was meant to destroy us. We will protect things that bring things in, but we will not protect and defend and, and conquer the things that are in front of us that were meant to put us aside. Why is that? That we've been so cultured to protect our belongings but we won't protect our hearts. Stop telling the mountain to leave you alone. Tell that sucker where to go. Give it a destination. Evict it. Stop saying, well, I need 30 days. Uh-uh. There's no eviction protocol when the enemy shows up. Flee. Leave. Now. Under the authority of God himself, get out. You have no place in this moment. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm finished. And if you keep coming back, I'm going to beat the edit poop out of you. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to cuss for all you. Go, he's going to cuss. No, I wasn't. But can I just say this to you? Is there anything wrong with telling an enemy to go to hell? Yes. Hello. No. no. We, we know what we do, though. We invite him into our house. We make him a place at the table. We put him in our bedrooms. We evict ourselves to the couch so that he can have rain in our bedrooms. Ah, I'm trying to give it to you this morning. That one hurt a little bit, even for me. Think about this. Think about this. What's he trying to do to you? He's trying to destroy you. How do I maintain my victory? Keep the faith. Identify the mountain. Tell it where to go. Here's your last part. You ready? Verse 23, it says, uh, let, me, let, me, let me read it this way. This will be a little bit better if I read it in context here. It says, So Jesus Anderson had faith in God. In verse 23, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes in those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So here's what I'm looking at in verse 23. For assuredly, no, I'm sorry. Once you've told it to be cast and removed and does not doubt in your heart, don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say will be done. Keep faith. Identify the mountain. Tell it where to go. Believe. Now this one, I got to sit here for just a moment. Because this is the kicker. This is the one that kills all of us. Because somewhere along the line, we stopped believing and we started hoping. We stopped believing and started hoping. Now, there's nothing wrong with hope, but let me help you with something. Hope is for the ones that don't know. Faith is for the ones that do. You can't enact faith in your walk when you don't know who God is. Faith comes when you get an understanding of who God is. Hope comes when you don't have God yet. The sinner is walking in the earth today lost with a hope that one day things will change. He is the hope of glory. He is the, I, I know there could be better, but I don't know how to get there yet. I haven't found that space. So an unbeliever has hope. You all had hope at one point, but the moment Christ came into your heart, you stopped hoping and you started believing. And if you're not believing, then I need to ask you this question. Have you evicted him out? Because if you're not believing, then you have no faith. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. But you have to believe. What do we really believe? Can, can I just say this? Most people in the church do not have a foundational belief system. They have a belief in the Sunday moment of church. I'll prove it to you. In southeast Louisiana, more than anywhere I've ever lived in my life, I have noticed that there is a culture and a dynamic in this area that says, as long as I go to church, I'm good. As long as I pay my penance on a Sunday, 
and show myself worthy or available, then I'm good. Do you know how many people that go to church today are going to die tomorrow and end up in hell? Because church is not the prerequisite to the kingdom. Show me in your Bible it doesn't say that. It said, those who endure till the end shall be saved. It would take me to another space in Scripture that would tell you that just because you come to church, just because you lift your hands, just because you read your word, just because you pray today, doesn't mean you're going to heaven, doesn't mean you're saved. It says, those who endure till the end shall be saved. In other words, this is a daily walk, not a Sunday walk. But nobody wants to hear this anymore because we want to be told as long as we go to church on Sunday, we're going to make it to heaven. Wrong! Some point you got to decide that this is a life you're going to live, not a vacation you're going to visit. Well, I'm tired of it being hell on Monday through Saturday, so I'm going to go to Sunday so I can find the cool breeze of heaven. But I know Monday's going to be hell again. How about if Monday became the cool breeze of heaven too? What if Tuesday was the cool breeze of heaven? What if Wednesday was the cool breeze of heaven? What if Thursday was the cool breeze of heaven? What if coming back on Sunday wasn't a surprise to you? What if this was an everyday existence? What if you're, listen, the Bible says that, that things will happen. Struggles will come. You're going to go through issues. Things are going to show up. But the Bible says that in all of those things, he makes a way of escape. He says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Y'all know that scripture, right? Y'all all heard that? No weapon. Pastor, no weapon formed. He never said the weapon wasn't going to be formed, though. He just said it can't come against you. So when you see the weapon show up, remind yourself who you are. Not in yourself, but who you are in him. And start declaring what you believe. God, your word says. Hold him to his word. Here's the problem. We can't hold him to a word we don't know. And we can't hold him to a word that we refuse to believe. And we can't hold him to a word that we, we refuse to walk out. Do you really believe, Pastor, that when you lay hands on the sick, they can recover? Yep. How can you believe that? My Bible says it. Pastor, do you really believe that if, if, if a marriage is broken, that God can restore it? Yep. Why? Because my word says it. Where does it say that? It says, nothing shall separate the two that God brings together. No man can separate it. No man. But your heart has to be in him. Uh, do you, Pastor, do you really believe that God has an abundant life? Absolutely. But abundance is not money in my pocket. Abundance is joy in my heart. See, I want the abundance of God. Then you better open up your shirt. Because he's not going to put it in your hands. He's going to deposit it on the inside of you. You're going to find out how to be happy even without. <laughs> Do you really believe everything from Genesis to Revelation? I'm more of a New Testament person. Well, then every person over the age of 60, they should just stand up and you should shoot them. Because you don't want wisdom. You just want the promises. Wisdom without promises is nothing more than opinion. There's got to be a value in what we're doing. Keep the faith. Identify the mountain. Speak to that sucker. Tell it where to go. But then believe on that thing. But, but okay, watch, 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 watch. My wife hates it when I do this sometimes, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do you think that my wife and I get along all the time? If you do, I love you. You are amazing. But I have to hate to break your bubble. We don't, but, but every day of my life, I wake up with the belief that before the day is over, her and I will end in victory together. And there is nothing that will disrupt that thought in me. And when it does, it is time for a conversation because I will not be separated from one of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest gift in my life. But so many times we wake up without belief. We wake up thinking we can lose God or that God will fail us or quit on us. That's not even biblical. He has a desire for us. 
The problem is, is that we lack that desire in return. We think it's about God coming to us rather than us coming to him. Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. Anybody ever get weak and heavy laden? You get tired of getting weak and heavy laden? Then get off your butt and go to him. Get up and move. Because when you get to him, he said, and I shall what? Give you rest. I'll give you rest. He made a promise. God, you said if I come to you, you give me rest. I'm coming. Not, oh, God, I'm going to sit over here. You need to come get me. You need to pick me up. I'm tired. I don't want to walk. <laughs> My legs are broke. Oh, get up. Do you really believe what he says? Again, again, and, and, and I'm not trying to be hurtful when I say this, but I have to be honest with you. Most people don't even know what this book says. People wait for me to preach on a Sunday. Oh, that's what he said. That's a good word. That's a good word. He said a good word right there. All right, I'll get one back for me next Sunday, Pastor. Appreciate it. Instead of getting in this thing that is full, full, full of promises, full. You know how I do that? Because sometimes I'm wondering if something else is going to fall out that I haven't seen yet. Maybe there's money I put in there. Praise the Lord. You know, I was like, no. I, I, I do it because, man, sometimes, look, some of y'all need to shake your Bible. Maybe it'll let go of those pages that you've never flipped. That was a good one right there, boy. That was, that was tight, but it was right, baby. God, I believe your word. You ain't read the word. What you talking about? You don't know that. Baby, those pages have been stuck together for quite some time. Like, let that, just, just admit it. Just be honest with it. That's your mountain. You don't want to get in the word. Amen. Sometimes we got to get into this thing and figure out what it says. Watch this. Before you want to figure out what the word says about your problems, find out what it says about you. You might find out that you're the problem. How do I have a great marriage? I let God fix me before he fixes her. Oh, God, I'm not happy with her. Then what's wrong with you? Okay, God, I'm coming. All right, Brian, you did this, this, and this. But God, but God, God says, shut up. You did this. But God, see, shh. But you did this. But God, Brian, I swear if you say but God one more time. Stop blaming everything else. Just understand that God wants to do his greatest work in who? Say me. 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 Can I be honest with you? Please stop trying to do your greatest work in your spouse or in your kids. Let God have it. Let him do his greatest work in you. Listen to me. I become a greater parent when I let him do his greatest work in me. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one. I'm going to give you one real quick. It's my daughter's first Sunday in church as a youth member now, and now she gets to be part of my message now. <clears throat> Welcome home, Hobie. Come here. Come here. Come here real quick. I'm almost done. Pastor Ben, you come on. I'm going to close right here. I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you see this. Come here. You know, I always get tearful when my kids come up. It always messes with me. Okay, come here. So her first youth Sunday, or her first youth service was this Wednesday. And, uh, and, and she went to youth, and, and I asked her how she was, and she was really cool. I enjoyed it. I was the only girl there, but it's okay. I figured it out. And she was, it was weird at first, but I, got, I figured my way through it and kind of worked my way out. And we were walking out the door, and, 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 and she was, can I be honest with her? You were tattling. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, watch, watch, watch. She was, she was tattling on somebody. Well, so-and-so did this. And I, in love, said, hey, listen, you're on that another level now. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> watch, watch, watch. Hold on. I had to make a funny moment out of it. You're going you're gonna to look really good when I'm done, I promise. You mad at me yet? Kind of. Kind of. She's kind of mad at me. Okay, we'll get through it. I love you. Come here. So, so I, I was telling her, I said, Hobie, listen, baby, you can't, you can't do that. But I did it in front of others. And she took it like a champ. And I went home. She went to bed, and I was sitting on the recliner. This is what I heard from God. He goes, hey, Brian, it's never good when you start talking to me at 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> hey, boy, you messed that one up. You put her on blast in front of others, and it deteriorated her value. I, she doesn't notice I walked to her room. 
to see if she was still awake, but she had already fallen asleep. And so I said, all right, I'll deal with her in the moment. I don't want to wake her up. So we went out to the bus, and I looked at her, and I said, I put my arm around her, I said, hey, yesterday, last night, when I said that, I hurt you, didn't I? And she said, yeah. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, last night, God showed me that I had made a mistake there as your daddy. And I don't ever want you to feel that pressure ever again in that room or from me. I want to be better than that. And we have this thing in our house that when we ask for forgiveness, you have to say, or ask, ask, apologize, you have to say, I forgive you. Because forgiveness destroys it. It doesn't bury it. And so she said, I forgive you, Dad. And she went off, and we cried at the, door, at the bus stop together. She teared up. I teared up. She got on the bus. Dad, I love you. I said, I love you too, baby. Have a great day. But I realized I had a responsibility. Before she went into her day, I needed to deal with the pain that I caused. Now watch this. This is that statement. That was a mountain. But I needed a victory more than I needed the mountain. I could have been like, I was right as a dad to tell her that she was wrong in that. But God says, but there's a way. And that wasn't it, Brian. And I know you meant no intention behind it. You meant no malice behind it. But you could have done it a different way that would have caused her to flourish even more. So I had to step back to the fork in the road and take on my daughter and love her through the process. I want her to be the best that God's called her to be. Not what daddy wants her to be, whatever God's called her to be. But my responsibility as a father is to keep the faith, identify the mountain, speak to that sucker, and believe that with God, we can carry through together and constantly have the victory. She could have spent her whole day defeated. She could have spent her whole day feeling like, Dad, put me out there. Or I could take the responsibility to make sure that my daughter achieves and conquers the day ahead of her so that when she comes home, we can do this thing together. This is where we've got to get. Because here's the great part. I don't want just victories in my own life. I want victories in their lives. I want victory for her. You good? Yeah. You want to go sit down? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Got it. So, but watch the watch, 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 watch. Do you think it just happens with my kids? Happens with my wife. Happens with my dad. My father, who physically and verbally abused us for years, and at one point of his life was an alcoholic, and who I don't have relationship with today. I'm driving through Slido one day, and God says, call him and apologize. For what? Do what I said. I'm in the parking lot of Office Depot, and I pulled the car over, and I call him. And I had never, I had not been calling him. He answered the phone. He says, hello. I said, hey. I said, I just need five minutes of your time. Can you get five minutes of your time? I said, if I ever did anything to hurt you, to betray you, or to cause you pain, I need you to forgive me. Go, Pastor, why would you do that? He, see, this is the thing. This is, this is the struggle. We'd rather keep the mountain in our existence rather than deal with it. But, Pastor, you didn't tell him he was wrong. I don't need to. That's God's job. I let God deal with Brian. And I said, Look, whatever I've done, if I've hurt you, I'm sorry. If, if I've caused you pain, I'm sorry. I need you to forgive me. And in that moment, he forgave us. He forgave me. And, and we built a relationship, and then things became struggled again, and we don't have a relationship today. And I still, to this day, when he comes into town, I still try to schedule or try to create a time where we can get together and talk. People go, why would you just keep going back? You're just getting shot every time you keep going back because there's going to come one day that he'll finally say yes. And I can love him the way I know he needs to be loved. I choose not to carry the pain of the past. Pastor, you had such a bad growing up and your real dad left and chose alcohol and drugs and other things before your mom and your brother and you and, and then your mom remarried and it was just hell and blah, blah, blah. And I died and I, yeah, you're right. It was a struggle. But here's the great part. I can take ownership of my peace so that I'm free. If they want to be hurt, if they want to be upset, that's going to be up between them and God. But I'm going to live free. I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to identify the mountains in my life. I'm going to speak to them suckers. And every day of my life, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to believe. Sometimes we tell God, if it be your will. When scripture always says it is God's will. 
goes on in verse 24. It says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's time for us to not just have victorious moments, but to maintain the victories in our lives. I am not great. God is. I'm just good and faithful, baby. That's all I want to be. And if I just maintain that, I'll conquer every day ahead of me. I'll conquer every moment in front of me. And I will never miss another thing in my life. Everybody stand to your feet. song right there. It's a good one. I receive it. Amen. I receive it. Let me me say this to you before you leave this place today. Your greatest victory is in front of you. Your biggest struggle is behind you. But that only becomes truth if you're walking with God had a lot of struggles more than I care to admit more than I care to talk about I've had moments I want to throw in the towel I've had moments I want to quit when I was younger at at, at the mere age of 9 and 12 I had thoughts of suicide thought I'd never win I thought I'd never succeed I viewed myself as a failure most of my life And what's funny was that I grew up in the church. I sat in services Sunday after Sunday and still believed that I was broken. Sat under great preaching, great men of God, heard great sermons from the littlest to the oldest, and and amen and shouted and praised and worshiped, but yet still went home broken. And it came for one reason, because I chose to not believe what was being handed to me sounds good but it's not for me I'll always be broken until one day I realized who I was in him not who I was in me most of us when we look in the mirror we don't like what we see can I get an amen from somebody and if you do praise the Lord for your vanity amen but most of us will find problems with ourselves amen we'll find something to point out I don't like that I don't like that Here's the great part. When you find out who you are in him, the mirror stops lying to you. Because this is not the promise of the Lord. This is. What I see in the mirror and what looks back at me can lie to me. But when I know who I am in Christ, it overlooks that space. It says those things can change, but this thing is succeeding. And I need this to succeed. Because let me help you something. When this succeeds, this succeeds. Because I'm not worn out by it. I'm getting older. My wife and I make the joke. We don't look like we're 20 anymore. Amen. But can I be honest with you? I celebrate the fact that I don't look 20 anymore. Because I don't want the pain that I had when I was 20, Jack. I'm celebrating gray hairs in my beard. Grays on my head. I named them all. Judah, Hope, Love, and Asher. There's a couple of Tiffany's in there too, amen. And she'll tell you all of mine is covered over, but yours are they're all yours, babe. There might be a couple extra love and ashers in there, but that's all right. Still love them. Whatever it is, I, I look at my life now and I go, wow. Can I, can I just say, I'll walk into this room when you're not here. And I go, whoa. get here. Went to a basketball game last night with my son. And I'm sitting on the front row and I'm just cheering him on. How did I get here? My daughter spent the day with me. I took both my girls shopping yesterday. Earning brownie points. Now my wife wants me to take her shopping. 
Y'all pray for me. I'm walking through the mall and I want this and I want that and I want this. And I want but the truth be told is that I loved every moment of it. And man, if my wallet was big enough, I'd have given them the world. How did I get here? Whether you realize it or not, my daughter, my son, both of them, my Asher love, my wife, you know what my greatest victories are? They are. And it was the victories I had with them that brought me to the victory in this place. I was reminiscent of the other day when I was talking to a church member's uncle and I was sharing with them the last day I was in the hospital. And I woke up to my, what I felt like my heart was stopping. Stopping. Like it shook me out of the bed. I felt like my, everything was closing. And I woke up and I took this huge deep breath and all the nurses come running there. My vital signs are lost. Their minds are going crazy. My heart rate had plummeted like, like that. And they got me back into tune and I remember calling my wife. She was out. And I said, listen, when you pick up the kids, bring them to the hospital. And she says, why? And I said, I said, just bring them. I need to talk to them. Literally what I was thinking was, this will be the last time I ever see them. And uh, I got off the phone and I remember yelling, not yelling it, but saying it loud enough, God, where are you in this? And then I was reminded, Brian, I didn't go anywhere. I'm in the room. You just haven't been talking to me. You've been talking to your fear. You've been talking to your pain. And I've just been waiting for you to acknowledge me. And I remember it was literally within seconds, probably what it felt like seconds to me, my doctor walks in, he goes, here's the plan, here's what we're going to do, this is what's going to fix it. Keep the faith. Identify the mountain. Speak to it. And believe. The moment I got a plan for my surgery, for my heart, I told everybody this is what's going to save my life. Even if people didn't believe it, I told them anyway. I was like, this, this is going to change my life. Well, is it going to, is it going to fix? Yeah, it's going to fix everything. Uh, this, is, this is the road. This is what God's going to do. If I would have wavered and said, I hoped, I'm a fervent believer that it would not have worked. Because it's my faith that led me into the promise. It's my faith that brought me my wife. It's my faith that brought me these kids. It's my faith in what God could do with a family inside of Slida, Louisiana, with a church that could change the world. That's why we're here today. It's not me. It's my faith in him. Now we have to go out and live it. God has a victory just for you. You just got to decide what you're going to declare in the morning. Pain or promise? Savior or struggle? Great things or broken things? Change what you declare and you'll live the victorious life that God has for you. Take each other by the hand. Stretch it out. Squeeze that hand. No, 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 this ain't your He-Man moment. Calm down. Uh, look how strong I am. Don't do that. Nobody will sit by you anymore. Amen. Just give it a good squeeze. You know what you just told that person? I'm alive. I'm not dead. God's my victory. Just that squeeze gave somebody next to you the hope and the faith to believe that this too shall pass, that greater things are ahead. Your greatest victory is ahead of you. You just have to believe it and declare it. 
I'm going to say it like this. If you stand in this place this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. Let me first of all say to you, there's no condemnation for that. But you're about to have a victory moment in this place. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus and I need him. Or you might say, Pastor, I've had a relationship with him when I walked away from it. God is right there waiting on you. If that's you in this place, will you just let go of that hand and just raise your hand and say, that's me. Pastor, I mean, I got, I got to let, yeah, just, just say it's you. Why, why not? Hey, that's me. I'm willing to admit it. Can I just tell you this while you got your hand up? You know how many times I did this growing up? Lord, help us. It was almost like a weekly occurrence at some points. For those of you that have your hand up right now, God sees you. He loves you. He's been waiting for this moment. And a celebration in heaven just ignited like never before. Why? Because you said, God, I need you. So for every hand lifted and then let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to declare the kingdom over the struggle. And Father, I ask right now that your anointing come upon them, that your power and your presence manifest in their lives. And Father, everything that is broken is behind them and everything that is fulfilled will be ahead of them. Father, I thank you that their worst days are behind them. Their best days are ahead of them. And Father, in this moment, Father, I declare the blood of the Lamb to cover every sin in their lives, to wash it away and to make them clean, to make them whole again. Father, I thank you that you have given us the opportunity to receive you as our Savior and to walk out of this place whole, delivered, set free, empowered to march forward the rest of the days of our lives. Father, I thank you for those that raise their hand. Father, for this family, for this church. Father, I pray this week, all week long, that our declaration will be louder than our complaints. That, Father, there will be report after report after report of the victories that we have in you, Father. That, Father, as we walk out of this place, we would put aside complaints. We would put aside worries. We would put aside doubts. And we would speak by with boldness the fullness, the promises of your word, Father. That we would declare them. We would decree them. And we would call them done. We would seal them with the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimonies, Father. We would see the fulfillment of every promise come to pass in our lives. And that nothing will be missing. Nothing will be broken, God. For every marriage in this room that's broken, I declare wholeness. For every hurt heart, Father, I declare mending. For every emotion that has been betrayed, every feeling that has been trampled on, Father, I declare a a repairing in this moment. For every wayward child, Father, I call them home. For every illness, I declare life over sickness. I declare a binding, a breaking of the infirmity. And I declare a healing to manifest in their lives. Why? Because we're going to get our victory through what we declare.